So hello everyone and welcome back to our Women in Technology speaker series. Today myself and Jenny are so excited to be introducing Anita Fernquist who is the UK Chief Data Officer and Director of Operations for Zurich Insurance. She has been working for Zurich for over 15 years. She has had a very, very successful career and is the recipient of a number of prestigious awards. She's been awarded Women in Insurance Role Model of the Year, Women in Data, 20 in Data and Technology, as well as Data IQ's Data and Analytics Leader of the Year. So, wow, I'm sure we can all learn so much from such a leading female, and I really, really look forward to hearing more. So, yeah, Anita, if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself to our listeners and maybe giving a brief background overview. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Anita Fernquist. and um, probably can't top that introduction. Uh, so I'm Chief Data Officer and Director of Operations, uh, which involves looking after a number of functions at Zurich Insurance in the UK. Um, I've been at Zurich for 15 years, started my career before that at IBM, and I've worked through a number of roles in that time. Um, endless opportunities and fascinating opportunities in the world of data. So it's great to have a chance to talk to communities about what there is to do out there, because you may not realise quite how much there is to do and how exciting a field it can be. Brilliant, thank you. So I know kind of from doing a bit of research on yourself beforehand that you actually studied economics originally and even went on to do an MBA, I believe. So we'd kind of, we're just wondering, you know, at what point did you decide you wanted to move into the tech world? Um, what was the driving force behind that? Maybe even if you had advice for someone who might be facing that decision currently, we'd love to hear about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I studied economics and management science because I wanted to work in business. Um, actually, I'd had the opportunity to do quite a bit of work experience at Hewlett-Packard uh, when I was younger. And when I say work experience, it wasn't cool work experience. I mean photocopying, I mean shredding papers, typing or whatever. Um, but the first thing is never underestimate the experience of being in an organisation in whatever capacity, because I credit a lot of my career path to just having been able to temp in organizations and see how they work um, so I suppose the tech world was an interesting one because I'd, I'd said worked a bit at Hewlett-Packard I had parents who happened to work in various different technical capacities one at Hewlett-Packard and one at the European Center for Nuclear Research so I was very much aware that technology is absolutely key um, and when I was temping and frankly typing in loads of different companies I could really see the difference in organizations that had technology available to them and those that didn't this was at a time where things like the NHS, you know, didn't have uh, email systems. We were handwriting memos and taking three days to try and get people to agree to a meeting time. So actually, from my perspective, it was really about realizing that there were so many problems that could be solved. So how could I apply problem solving to companies and to businesses? And how could I bring technology to help solve some of those problems? So it kind of it happened through, I suppose, passion for wanting to help solve problems. And the fact that I had that work experience, because again, okay, I was typing, but I had Hewlett Packard on a CV. Uh, so IBM, uh, spoke to IBM at a graduate careers fair, got really excited by the opportunities in, in consultancy, and it, it went from there, really. Wow, Anita, that's, yeah, that's great. I think it's, yeah, you're just right in saying to never underestimate those roles like the photocopying and all those like tedious tasks they still have to be done and you learn so much oh absolutely this yeah i mean you know one of my main fundamental career moments was stood at a shredder at hewlett-packard i was in the mail room shredding 
and their first female CEO was appointed and did an announcement globally to everybody in every organization over the tannoy system. And I was shredding at the time and thought, you know, what, if she can do it, I'm going to do it. And so I would say there is no work that we're above doing, actually just absorbing different company cultures, different types of industries. You know, I was typing and doing PA work and all sorts in, you know, conveyancy offices, NHS offices, hospitals, pick it. But it just gave me an appreciation for different companies. And everyone might have something different they can bring to that part-time work. But I'd absolutely say never, never underestimate where you start from and what it might give you, because it'll be those moments that either inspire you or give you skill sets that will hugely help much further down the line. If I hadn't done those things, I wouldn't be where I am now. For this, the members of our society, I mean, a lot of them are students. Um, and right now they find themselves at the beginning of their future professional careers. And I think a lot of people, you know, in light of the current pandemic situation, are in a position where they're unsure of whether to, you know, go straight into the industry um, or look for a graduate program or stay in college, uh, maybe pursue a master's or something like that. And from your profile on LinkedIn, I saw that you were a project manager at IBM for uh, graduate training. So is there any advice that you could offer to students on something like this? Yeah, absolutely. I think the first piece of advice would just be to seize every opportunity. Um, so graduate training came up at a careers fair. You know, I spoke to them. They were cool. They were interested in me. So I went through that process. Um, I absolutely, you know, the graduate training was fantastic, you know, and the, the IBM graduate training scheme was amazing. Um, so I was very lucky. Um, it's really, though, about grabbing those opportunities. Partway through, I was offered a place on a master's. I actually deferred my entry to IBM by a year to do the master's. Again, I don't think you necessarily need a master's, um, but I knew that it was on the table at that point in time. And if I didn't do it, I risked not going back later. And it was something for me that I really wanted to do. So it's just been about each time an opportunity came up thinking, am I passionate about it? Do I care about it? And if I am, leap and grab it. Um, graduate training schemes are fantastic because there's very few places where you'll have an organization there for a period of time whose sole purpose is to invest heavily in you. Again, plenty of people don't go through graduate training programs. I think if you don't get on one or you don't fancy it, absolutely not the end of the world. Across my teams, I've got people, you know, if I look at my most successful people on my team, they come mm. from all walks. There's people with bachelors, people with masters, people who came in straight entry level without, and they're all awesome. So I think it's following the path that's right for you, but also when something comes up, grab it with both hands because you never know when it might come up again. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're right in saying that, you know, those graduate programs are highly, highly competitive and something mightn't happen or work out that you thought was where you were destined to go, but it does, it, it's not the end of the world. Absolutely not, you know, and, and the first graduate training program I applied to, to be honest, wasn't there. Um, it was a, a another large consultancy firm and I had pinned all my hopes and dreams. That was what I was going to do and I needed to do. I didn't get a space. Um, I look back now, I didn't have the background in knowing how to apply all the contacts or the networks to get me into that world. Um, and probably my application wasn't strong enough, let's be clear. But I, at the time, that was the end of the world because it was what I was going to do. Actually, the right things happen for the right reasons. I look back now and every single thing I've done has made sense in hindsight. So, you know, try 
if you don't get it, it's because you weren't supposed to do it. The thing that comes up will be the right thing. It's just being flexible with it and not giving up. But above all, I'd say absolutely make sure you're passionate about what you're trying for. If, if you're passionate, the rest will come. Yeah, and I mean, you've, you have come on very far since then and you've spanned a lot of different leadership roles. So what is your approach to maybe taking what you've learned from one particular role or one particular project and really bringing that forward with you in your career and applying that to something completely different? I think over time that gets easier. Uh, so, you know, in the early days, you're learning everything the hard way for the first time and you know you make loads of mistakes and it all feels hard. Over time, you realise that it's the mistakes that make you grow. Uh, and actually, it's, it's probably the toughest roles I had early on that formed me the most and that really helped me with roles now. Um, you do everything the hard way because you don't know how to do it differently and over time you learn how to cut corners you know it's a bit like take project management you learn how to be a perfect project manager once you've understood how you should do it you can then understand how to vary from it because you understand why you should have done it in the first place but same as I say to my kids you've got to learn how to do the maths properly before you can then figure out how to cut the corners so I think it's taking each learning from each job and being kind to yourself there will be jobs that are hard and that are really tough, but it's those jobs that have really helped you. It's trying to leave the, I say failure is a strong word, but it's trying to leave the bits that you wish you'd done better behind and saying, actually, next time around, you can do it better. And each time saying, okay, what did I learn then? And how am I going to approach it differently next time? And then just continuing to build on it. But also, it's all just about problem solving. So whatever role you're given, as long as you can build a bond with your team, build a team that you trust around you and figure out what problem you're trying to solve. It doesn't matter what topic it is. You're applying the same disciplines regardless of the problem. Um, I wonder if we could bring back then, sorry, what you said is, you know, so insightful. Um, one thing that obviously coming from a data soft point of view, we're really passionate about the potential of data science and kind of the importance of it, I suppose, from a multidisciplinary point of view as well, that it can be applied to so many different fields. Um, so we'd love to know kind of how you see what you envision for the future of data science from an insurance point of view in an insurance industry or even elsewhere. Um, are there any particular areas that stand out to you as being the most important at the moment? I mean, I think it can only grow. So, you know, some industries are already there. If you look at Netflix and how it proposes what you might watch of an evening, they absolutely are right on top of it. And they know, you know, all these companies know what you're buying, what you're doing. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's super cool. Actually, there are other industries that aren't there yet, but the potential is enormous. I mean, if we look at data in insurance, it's tremendous. I mean, we're a data business, really. We, you know, we, 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 ensure risks based on data and based on understanding, but the shift goes from understanding historical data to saying, actually, what can we understand about what might happen in future and very much moving into the predictive analytics space. Um, that has two benefits really, better serving our customers, but also using data for good. So to give you some examples, actually using, uh, using the internet things and monitors to predict when a property might develop damp means that you can potentially send people out to help vulnerable customers, older customers before they even develop a problem and stop it happening. So the opportunities are endless. And um, when you combine data analytics, automation, and then you know moving into artificial intelligence, it's the, the field is absolutely fascinating and can apply across the piece. So it's you know it's the place to be, definitely. 
yeah I really do believe that the potential is endless and like it we're only looking forward and I think a lot of the companies that are going to be growing the most in the next couple of years are the ones who do look at this kind of thing and like recognize the capabilities of AI and data science all the things you were talking about and a more general question that we kind of like to ask a few of our guests is just throughout your career is there any particular challenge that you ever face that you know, has stood out to you or that you'd like to talk about that you think might be beneficial for the rest of us to hear about? Sure. Um, so I, three, I'll cover them briefly. Um, you know, one of the first career challenges for me was when I was put into a leadership role, but I suddenly found myself leading my peers and leading my friends. So I'd gone from being cozy part of the team, having fun to suddenly being in charge. And I don't mean managing, I mean leading as in needing to think about the future, the strategy, etc. Um, I put huge amounts of pressure on myself to need to know the answers and to to feel like I'd earned the right to lead because suddenly I was, you know, needing to lead people that had been alongside me. Um, huge career point. And I think key learning there is, again, to be kind to yourself. You're there to lead. It doesn't mean you know the answers. It means that you're there to help others come to the answers. That was a real challenge. Secondly, your stakeholders change in your career. There'll be people that you know, you work really well with, people less so, and actually you can build up a really good reputation and all of a sudden they can all suddenly move on and you're back at, you know, square zero. So A, it's learning to adapt and be resilient to that. But secondly, for me, it's about really knowing who you are, what your morals and values are and where you best fit. We're all different. So finding your own people and people that inspire and motivate you is so key. So I found really choosing your bosses for you is what's going to drive the greater success. Third challenge is life happens. Um, you know, we can't ignore the fact you've got career here and you've got life on the other side. And often we talk about the two as if they're separate things, but they're not. Um, I suppose during my career, um, I've had two sons, um, but I've also gotten divorced. I'm now a single parent, so I'm doing it just me. None of those things, okay, clearly I knew I was going to have sons, but, you know, things come along that, that you didn't plan for. I didn't plan for a career where I was suddenly going to be a single parent and trying to juggle all of that. Actually, it makes you a stronger person. Uh, it makes you a better leader. But, you know, the real learning in that is that those life knocks will come along. It's being ready to just adapt and change and take the best from it. And actually, they will make you a stronger person, but be ready for it. Because I remember when I was sat back at university planning this perfect, you know, perfect journey out of what was going to happen how it was going to work etc life didn't end up looking like that and I think you'll all know that because obviously covid's come along um it'll never look like you expected it to it'll be great and it'll be amazing but it's figuring out how you make the best of the things that come along the way and that's what makes you a great leader that, that answers my next question which was just on how you have aligned your professional development with your personal development and I think that you're right in saying that the two come hand in hand and there is no distinct separation. I think it's worth knowing that you know it's not easy but people don't tell you that so you see leaders and glossy leaders and you assume their lives are perfect and it's all been straightforward it's not everyone's got their stuff you don't know what that stuff is and um, but the reality is is that life's just about adapting to different knocks and challenges but so is so leading so is having a career so actually you know the resilience you get from all the unexpected is what drives you in your career and um, the first thing though with that balance is firstly do what you love because you say, how do you achieve that balance? Well, I love what I do. So 
part of the balance is that it's a career, but it's also a hobby. So I enjoy it. It's it's not a sacrifice from that perspective. You know, clearly this time we'd all we'd all like more time to you know do our hobbies. But actually, if you love what you do, it's far easier. The other thing is, I would say, is take it slowly. If I look back on my career journey now, um, I probably didn't take enough time in the early days to have as much fun as I could have. If you look that, you know, my cousin once said it's a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, and somebody told her that at his retirement party because she was very similar and constantly going. And I've very much taken those words on, actually, to say, actually, you've got your whole career and life ahead of you. So how do you pace yourself through the different things? I take it slower now. I'm never going to slow down, but I add more balance. And actually, I find a lot of my work answers when I'm doing hobbies. So for me, my passion is skiing. But actually, if I'm sat on a chairlift, I'm very often thinking and thinking about things I need to solve at work. So you, the two don't need to be separate. Nowadays, things are much more balanced and blended. Um, but also, it's important we talk about them. Find who you talk to, but recognising that your life is a complex thing with many different strands rather than planning a perfect career over here. It just means a better place to, to bring the two together. And there is one other question I wanted to ask you about the your role as chair of the Zurich UK Women's Innovation Network. What does this role entail or do you want to talk a bit about maybe the inspiration behind it? And... Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's a, it's a great group of volunteers we have uh, working. We support our uh, members. We've got 900 members in the UK. Actually, 25% of those are male um, as well. Uh, it's The inspiration behind it really is making sure that we're in a position where we are removing removing blockers inspiring showing people what is possible but also then making sure that the support is there to achieve that so ultimately it's about working towards gender um gender balance and ultimately seeking to address gender pay gap but it's about balance so what it's not about is positive discrimination it's just about saying how do we actually coexist in working environments and and recognize the challenges the differences so we look at it on three fronts. So we, we look at it from an enable, empower and engage perspective. So that's how we work with our organisation to push the organisation to help enable our staff. That might be changing policies, it might be programmes, etc. Empowering our own people. So working with our population to say actually what support do they need? It might be mentoring, it might be panel events, interviews like we're doing today to actually just talk to people and raise the issues and normalise it. And then the engage piece is about working with a much broader population that says, if people don't believe that there is a challenge or that achieving gender balance is important, we won't get there. So it's not just by people fighting for their own careers, it's by everybody believing and understanding that actually it's only through balance that we're going to achieve better organisations, better leadership and better careers. I really think that um, that sounds really helpful. I feel like you've already offered us so much advice and this might be a tricky question because you've given us so many valuable insights and I feel like things that even Jenny and I will definitely be taking on board but the last question we definitely have for all of our guests that we wouldn't mind asking you as well is if you'd have any specific advice to a young female so kind of like ourselves who are hoping to break into the world of tech so just finishing up college most of our members are undergrads at the moment so if there's any one piece of advice that stands out to you um, I know you've already given us loads, so it's a hard question. Yeah, there's, prob there's probably a lot. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a couple, really. I mean, firstly, I've, as I've said, enthusiasm and passion shines through above everything else. So 
do what you love, do what you believe in, because that will get you far further than anything else. Um, find a way to solve problems. Again, if you're, if you're able to solve problems for people, that's it's all about solving the problem. Don't worry too much about the, the career piece, but actually, what, what are you going to do? What are you trying to achieve? Where are you going? Be yourself. If there's one thing I could say, it's find somewhere that fits you. You're all different. So actually find the organization that, that embodies what you believe in and how you work. Because when you've got sort of conflicting um, values, morals, et cetera, it doesn't work. So find somewhere you can be yourself and, and do what you really believe in. Role models and mentors are so important. Um, and there'll be different ones at different stages of your career that, that add things. A lot of my role models don't necessarily even know they were role models, but there'll be people where I say, actually, I observe a bit of that and a bit of that and a bit of that. And actually along the way that just help propel you at different stages. And don't be scared to reach out to those people. They will have no idea they're a role model. So I, I bumped into someone on the train the other day that I said, oh, thank you so much. You were such an amazing role model to me 20 years ago. And she said, what, me? You had no idea. But actually, it's so important to, you know, so to find those people that can really help inspire you. Um, and also, I don't know if you've heard much about imposter syndrome, but imposter syndrome is real and it doesn't go away. So, you know, if you're blessed with it, it's there to stay. Um, but accepting that and saying, actually, you might feel that way coming out of an undergraduate degree. Actually, the people that you see at the top of organizations, they're different. They've learned to manage around it. But but you're no no one is fundamentally better or worse than anyone else. You're all absolutely infinitely capable of doing whatever you want to do. The first thing is figuring out for yourself that you can do it, um, and you'll look back and you won't believe the things you're going to achieve as you as you're sat there now. Um, don't ignore real life, as I said before. You know it's there. Embrace it and figure out a way to make the two work together. Um, it'll make you a better candidate ultimately and a better leader. Um, but I suppose to summarize it all, I think every different phase of your life needs a different you. So learning to adapt with it and, you know, hold to the core who you are, but ultimately different things will come along. Just being able to tweak the sales and adapt with it will get you really, really far. You'll look back one day, you'll be on one of these podcasts and you won't quite believe and it'll feel like two minutes ago that you were an undergrad doing the interview. So just enjoy <laughs> the journey, really. God, thank you for speaking so honestly. Like a lot of the things you've said have really resonated with me and I think we'll all have something we can take on board. So thanks again for taking time out of, I'm sure your very, very busy schedule and sharing such valuable advice and insights. It's been so, so lovely hearing from you and hearing about your journey. So thank you very much. And yeah, yeah I thank you very much, Anita. Well, absolute pleasure. And just, uh, just go get it. You know, you can be stood in a ball gown on a stage picking up the award for the number one data person in the industry and you can still think oh I'm not sure I'm quite good enough and why didn't I do this mm. you know don't wait for the magical day where you feel good enough just try to accept that you are good enough and just go and do it and enjoy the journey thank you so much thank you so much take care good luck we'll wrap it up there thank you guys for tuning in and we will be back in two weeks with our next women in technology event thank you Anita my pleasure. Bye.